You are now tuned into the Sociology Podcast. Sociology is a lifestyle brand that analyzes Chicago culture and connected topics abroad. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In 2008, I was a junior in college, and it was the very first presidential election I was eligible to vote in. And of course, I voted for Barack Obama, a Chicago Titan, just like MJ, Oprah, all of them. America's first black American president, of course, is only right that his presidential library will be in Chicago where he got his start, right? It don't need to be anywhere else. But the problem isn't with the Obama presidential library itself, it's the location. That's what causes concerns for a lot of residents and for a lot of activists. On this episode of Sociology, I'm going to talk with two gentlemen who are very much intricate in the know-how with what's going on. One of them is Michael Rackless. He's the co-counselor for Protect Our Parts, who is the main plaintiff in this case. And then another one is Graham Balcony, who's an architect of over 20 years. Both of these gentlemen are going to educate us on why Jackson Park isn't the most ideal location for the Obama Presidential Library. So without further ado, let's get right into it. All right. So, Michael, can you um, very briefly explain to us the mission of Protect Our Parks and when did the entire, you know, lawsuit, civil suit, whatever it is that, that is called, Again, can you walk us through all of that, you know, in a summarized version? Because I, I read over some of the documents and it's long. <laughs> um, but what is yes. Protect Our Parks? Okay, starting there. So Protect Our Parks is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization with uh, a mission of protecting parks in our uh, in our city, all over the city. Uh, they were founded, I believe, in 2007 and have spent uh, a lot of time as, uh, doing advocacy in order to protect the parks for the communities that utilize them and, and for the city and for the future uh, and their future usage. So uh, their work in, in Jackson Park is very consistent with the uh, goals and mission for the organization. And, you know, that takes and, and that dives in, you know, pretty much with the lawsuit that was filed, which I'm happy to give you a thumbnail sketch of. Um, yeah. uh, the, so just so, so you know, the, the, the suit itself is not just involved protect our parks, but in fact, it has, you know, many individual plaintiffs that uh, are from the neighborhood uh, around uh, the o Obama Presidential Center. There are people that live in South Shore, plaintiff friend Sheriff, uh, Sid Williams. Sharif, uh, right? I apologize. Yes, uh, I, <laughs> uh, are both South, both live in South Shore. Uh, Jamie Calvin uh, is a, it lives on the South Side in the Hyde Park area. Tom Mitchell lives in the Hyde Park area. Stephanie Franklin lives uh, within a few blocks of Jackson Park and is uh, the what was the president of the Nichols Park Advisory Council. So all of the plaintiffs here have interest in and work in and and uh, basically are either either have interest in or live for the most part live in the area that's impacted. Uh, so it's very close to their hearts uh, in terms of what's going on. And and and, and basically the the suit itself involves challenges. Um, th they derive from challenges to the federal review process uh, that was ongoing once um, the. Uh, the city and the foundation had uh, chosen Jackson Park as the site for the uh, for the Obama Presidential Center. 
Uh, which was back in 2016. And those federal reviews, which involve various, you know, various, you know, you know, statutes that are well recognized and have great public policy aspects of it. They're designed to protect the environment, to protect not the human environment, the wildlife environment, uh, the natural environment. They're designed to protect parkland, they're designed to protect historic resources. Those were the types of reviews that were triggered back in 2017 by the placement of uh, in Jackson Park and concluded in the latter part of 2020. I'm sorry, not in February, in February of 2021. My apologies. So um, there, we, there are numerous problems and issues that the plaintiffs believe arose from the manner in which those uh, federal reviews were conducted and the, and the rationales and reasons that they provided for ultimately giving their okays to, uh, to the uh, Obama Presidential Center going forward as, as suggested. And, and there are other state law claims as well. Jackson Park is, is well recognized as having a unique status as public trust property, yeah. uh, which, which provides its protections uh, like, other, like other parks. Uh, you know, this is commonly you know, discussed in the lake, along the lakefront, but there are other protections as well. Uh, there are other, there are important constitutional questions, state law constitutional questions in terms of whether or not the city gave up its authority to really review and site select and abdicated that authority to a private party. And, and the Obama Foundation is a private party, a private entity. Uh, whether it's a not-for-profit doesn't change its status as a private developer in this context. So the suit also raises questions and issues associated with those very important issues uh, under, I would say, under Illinois law and when you're dealing with these types of developments. So I, I hope that answers in a very broad way um, what the current suit is about. It does. It, it, it does. A um, lot of valuable information there. So I live in South Shore. I'm a resident of South Shore currently, um, and it doesn't take me long to uh, travel to where the site of the Obama Library um, is, will be, you know, whatever um, context we're using here. You know, the trees have been cut down um, and construction has started. Where, where is the current um, litigation now in regards to this uh, matter? Okay, so we... Um... Prior to the start of construction, you know, of course, our suit was filed in April, uh, and we had requested a preliminary injunction asking the court to basically halt material construction, whether it involved tearing up of roads, whether it involved um, you know, destruction of the trees, the natural environment, um, and, and things of that nature. We had asked basically for that to be put in abeyance while the court had an opportunity to look at the merits, all the merits of the entirety of the suit. That injunction request was denied in early August. Uh, the plaintiffs then uh, are in the process of appealing that. They've taken many steps, including filing motions to stay, basically to stay while these appeals were pending in the in the higher court, which is the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. This is a federal court action. So we've gone to the Seventh Circuit. Um, there's currently, we did not succeed in getting a stay uh, pending appeal. We also went, we also went to the Illinois, uh, to the U.S. Supreme Court, where there still is a 
motion, an application for an injunction pending appeal that is currently actually pending before the U.S. Supreme Court. So we have we have taken you know every possible step in an effort to try and keep the status quo in place. And in the meantime, we are appealing the denial of the preliminary injunction, uh, and we believe that there is certainly much to be saved. We are. I mean, clearly there's disappointment in the fact that. You know, several of the uh, uh, you know trees in the 19 point you know three area acres where the Obama presidential centers can be placed, you know, have been have been cut down. We recognize that, but there are a lot more trees that are being threatened in the in the park, and there are and the roads remain while there are traffic shifts and there are temporary sawhorses in place. They have not been torn up, and so there's still much to protect, and we are working very hard in an effort to try and preserve those elements because we, we certainly think that the park itself can be still protected, and I think Graham could probably talk about this further too. There's much there that, that is still at risk and has not been impacted. And so our efforts right now continue to be to get a stay in place uh, and then continue to proceed with having the, uh, the, the trial court look at the merits of our case. Wow, so you're, you're telling me it's still more that will be um, impacted and uprooted because it seems like they already did a lot, you know? No, uh, I, you know, I definitely, there's definitely a lot more, you know, this is, and, and it's and it's easy to, you know, when you think about it, and it's like I say, it's very. I mean, we're certainly it's it's disheartening, clearly, when you when you're uh, believe that you know this park, which is such an important community asset, you know, loses you know some of these mature trees. One of our plaintiffs, Tom Mitchell, is an expert on on uh, Olmstead landscape landscapes, including Jackson Park, and he has spoken very eloquently about you know the the the. Uh, historic growth and the maturity of this park as it currently exists. And we certainly think that there are out, those elements still remain and we want to protect them. And, but it, so there's much to do in, in whether those be the further tree work, whether it be the roads. Uh, Graham also is very well versed in these issues and can further talk about how those can be protected when Absolutely. you think about alternatives and things of that nature. So yes, there's a lot, there's more to lose and there's more to gain as we are trying to, in, in terms of what we're trying to protect. Yeah, I just want to jump in real quick to yeah. add to what Michael's saying. I mean, when all is said and done, you know, they're talking about construction for five years here, um, potentially more. Um, when all is said and done, there is very, very little of Jackson Park that you will recognize. Um, it's, it's really quite tragic and because we're talking about um, an additional close to 400 trees that are definite um, that will be killed for the road work. And um, there's most likely several hundred more trees um, because they're talking about reconfiguring the golf course. Uh, you know, we're talking about widening bridges. We're talking about um, the, all the construction traffic that goes into this where they need staging and they need areas to clear land. Um, it, it's devastating, quite frankly. And, you know, it, it, um, there are, are tree studies out there um, linked on our website and um, available just on the internet if you Google for it. But, you know, this has all been very clearly marked out, almost like you would imagine the strategy for a war. You know, every little piece is on that chessboard in play. Um, all the species are, are documented. And, you know, it, it's really interesting to look at this because, you know, Olmsted, the landscape architect, was clearly, um, he's considered a national hero, you know, like a, a treasure. And he, he was, he's considered the, the forefather of all of the landscape movement in this country and beyond. 
um, that, you know, the, the vision he had um, in terms of the diversity of the plant material he used, and the, in particular, what appeals to me are the native species. He was using, you know, saying these are indigenous to this place and they have beauty, even though they may not be traditional in landscape architecture, um, you know, meaning, in other words, they're not European imports, you know, parts of colonialization, basically. He was looking okay. beyond that. And um, I, I'm just trying to make a point when, when you look at what's there now, that's a result of his hand. And these really, um, really special plantings that are not widely available in the landscape trade. Um, if everything that we're talking about today comes to fruition, what you will see 50 to 80 years from now is that the vision we have today does not match what Olmsted did. Um, the, the plant material that they're using is very limited. Um, it's rather mundane and it, it, it does not properly even come close to restoring what's there currently. So yeah, I just wanted to make that point. And if there's any ambiguity there, our website definitely talks about it further. Yeah, absolutely. Say, so well, you, you're, you're, um, it's all right. Uh, Graham, so you, you're an architect and I looked at your alternative for the Obama library. Can you give our listeners um, a rough draft, an overview of your alternative plan on what the where the Obama Library could have been and how it could have benefited the communities? Yes, sir, absolutely. Um, thank you for taking a look at it. I, I hope everybody takes a look at it because, um, you know, Michael's clearly got the legal side of this covered. And, you know, I, you know there are very important arguments there about precedent and about, um, you know, uh, the, the law and, and nature and what's going on here that are, you know, really very egregious. But, you know, I, I kind of come from a shovels in the ground, nuts and bolts place as an architect. And, you know, the way I look at this is, um, I, I think 99.99% of Southsiders and Chicagoans um, are eager to have the Obama library. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think the vast majority of people on the South side would also agree but there's a lot of opportunity to put this in a place where we don't do damage. Um, you'd have to have a blindfold on your whole life to not realize there's vacant land, disinvestment, um, disparity, underserved communities all around us. I, I mean, I think we can all agree that that's true. And the, the, que the question I raise is how can, we, how can we maximize this investment? This is a billion dollars. I, you know, we're talking, that's the current projection. It's probably gonna be more than that when it's all done. You know, we're talking $170 million of public money. We're talking $830 million of donor money. A lot of that's presumably coming from outside of Chicago. That's free money in the way. And the question is, how can we make that investment in a way that number one, makes the most sense. Number two, does the least harm. And number three, continues to pay dividends, you know, return on investment so that we can like revitalize something for posterity and really change the course of how the South side behaves. So I know that's a high kind of high, highfalutin answer, um, but you know, that was the premise that drove this whole idea um, is like, wait a second, if, if the South side needs help, why are we taking out something so beautiful and really setting ourselves back before we even get started. That, that doesn't right. make any sense. So, so the plan that I've been working on, um, what I've tried to do is to identify all the, you know, the stakeholders, so to speak. And number one, um, I live on the South side. Actually, I'm not, I'm not far from you, Twist. Um, the first stakeholder are the people who have stayed here and lived here 
raise their children here. You know, I think we matter. I think the community matters, right? Um, yes. The, the second stakeholder is naturally um, the legacy of our first black president. And that is enormous, right? I mean, that can't be understated. The, the third stakeholder is the foundation and the, you know, the people who actually operate this thing. The, the fourth stakeholder is the University of Chicago because they're you know, a sponsor. And then there's a fifth thing here, which is really important, I think, which is what I call the environment. And that is the natural environment and it's the historical context of our city that makes Chicago special, that brings tourists here. You know, that's the golden goose that we haven't really, you know, uh, worked into this equation very well. So, so you take all those stakeholders and, you know, what's a way that we can satisfy everybody? Um, what, that's what I've tried to do. And, you know, you can't please everyone. But, you know, I've tried to create a plan that is sensitive to people, sensitive to nature, sensitive, yes, to the needs of the, of the Obama Foundation and this facility. Um, and what we've done is we've placed it on vacant land, um, which is just to the west of Washington Park. So it, that's basically contiguous with the same green space that they're currently invading. Um, but, you know, we've placed it there on vacant land. We've actually grown the amount of public parkland is rather than intruding upon it. Mm. Um, we've created something that's net zero, um, or at least has the possibility to be net zero, whereas their current plans do not even come close. Um, and we've done that in a way that's focused around the CTA green line where we can get people um, out of their cars, get and activate um, this area. You know, mass transit goes two ways, right? So we can have people Get, um, you know, doing what's right for the environment by making better use of mass transit, but we can also use that as a way, as a conduit, a mechanism to bring people into the south side, show them what we've got to offer, grow the economy, um, spread that wealth around a little bit, um, bridge racial divisions. You know, this is serious stuff that we can accomplish, but we've got to strategically place this thing in a place where it matters and where the community can really benefit. So. That's the, that's what the plan's all about. I know that was the long answer. No, it, it was a long answer, but it was a necessary answer. Um, you know, can I add a couple of things that Graham yeah, I think are, are important on on just the thoughtfulness and and sort of the integrity of the plan itself. Um, one thing, a, a couple of things to note, in addition to the green line, it, it uses natural transportation routes that are currently in place, which I think are very important because when you juxtapose that area with trying to squeeze in something that really doesn't have any natural access, it, it will come out later. I mean, it really hasn't been thought through and Graham can talk about this much more eloquently than I can, but he's gonna, but it is clear that transport, getting in and out of what's going to be, you know, the proposed center Jackson Park is going to be nightmarish in, in many different ways. And oh, not just man. for people using it, but for, for deliveries. And when you put on top of that, the security interests that are going to be necessary, uh, you know, and, 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 and its implications, but I mean, that, that in itself is problematic, but the implications about taking what is a public area and then basically depublicizing de it really, because you're gonna have to have such protections and issues associated with security. There's going to be such, so many problems there in the area that Graham has, has thoughtfully thought about, you can you can deal with these issues in a much better way, and uh, and, and importantly, actually enhance the the transportation issues that are that are presently there. And beside all that, and I don't know if it was clear enough, but it should, it, but it's important. The the 
ability to have true economic development in that area is is really actually exists and exists in an area that's that's actually underserved that you can't really have economic development in the middle of a park putting aside whether you know the, the, the uniqueness of having this historic resource and its import to the community and its import generally is as the most used south side park putting all that aside it's very difficult to be able to 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 start building uh, true businesses or, or buildings or other things, you actually can't. I mean, there, there are preclusions about doing that uh, in, in, a, in a public park, in a public trust park. So it becomes extraordinarily difficult. And those things are unfortunately sort of ignored. When, but when you have a thoughtful plan like this in an area that allows it and, and, and has been underserved, you really are gonna get a chance to both complement what's there and develop it in a much more, in, in a real sustainable way. Uh, so anyway, I just wasn't sure that was as yeah. clear from what Graham you're, you were saying, but as an overview, I think those are very important points as well. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, go ahead, Graham. No, no, go for it. Because we're going to, you know, <laughs> you, you, you were speculating maybe an hour top. So Michael and I will take you out into the evening, man. You know, so <laughs> you know, I, I, I just wanted to say, you know, I, everything Michael said is, is spot on. And, and we got to think too, um, if the foundation is to flourish, you know, when we want it to flourish, all these things impact them too, you know, the, you know, uh, logistical issues, transportation issues, um, you know, uh, a, you know, potential conflict with the community as they try and do things, or even just very basic matters like, okay, let's say this thing takes off and they don't have enough office space. Yep. Mm, where where's the available space to do anything else? Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it, when you put when you build something in a park like this. Um, You've let you've locked yourself into a corner. You painted yourself into a corner, and and now, um, you know, I, I have I have reservations. I think I think that they've sold themselves short in many ways. Um, you know, and I, I we can talk about that later if we've got time, if it interests you. You, you know, um, so like I said, I looked at the plan, and I'll uh, add the link to the bio of this episode so um, viewers and listeners can uh, look at it. But you know, so like you said, it's on vacant lot, and you know, all of that space. And I drove by, yeah, it's just sitting there. You know, it's just sitting there, just untouched, you know, just waiting for something to happen. Whereas, you know, so you look at Jackson Park and to Michael's point, you know, the transportation I mean, so you got that elementary school over there, Bret Hart Elementary. You know, you have people that's picking up the students there, dropping the students off. But then you want to take away Cornell Drive. And I'm going to be honest, like that was one of the first things that hit us. So it's not like being insensitive to the park itself, because, of course, you know, the environment, the trees, you know, disrupting the habitat of all the birds and animals. That's that's a real thing. Just as a human, the first thing that struck me was you're taking away one of the main arteries that runs through the park. Like you're literally taking it away. Cornell Drive, you know, that four block stretch of Cornell Drive. Then you're taking away Marquette, you know, um, east of Stoney. So you're taking away two roads that are heavily utilized throughout mm -hmm. the park that flows to traffic. And now you're just leaving Lakeshore Drive to the east and Stony Island to the west. That's a nightmare. And it's already a nightmare. Like I said, um, we're already feeling the effects of it now during the construction. And I read something. Um, it's like a traffic study that the uh, foundation had put out and said that taking away Cornell Drive is going to just add one to three minutes max to the commute. Clearly, they don't live in Chicago. <laughs> they don't live in Chicago. They really think taking away Cornell Drive is going to add one to three minute extra to your commute. Uh, we, yeah. 
we could not agree. I mean, look, we, we agree with that. We, that traffic study, one of the analysis that is being challenged in the suit involved the transport, that study done under the Transportation Act. And those studies that you've identified were part of the work done in order to support some of their conclusions. And uh, it is, um, we, many of us who are, are the plaintiffs, uh, Graham, others who either live or work in the area have, have commented very similarly to what to as you've just said, pretty. I mean, there's and and we believe the community. You know, you know. I think that part of it, it is it's difficult here because when you're talking project, um, you don't feel it, right? I mean, you know, it, it, there's something that listen. This is going to happen two years from now or whatever, and it doesn't really have the same impact because all of us include. I mean, the plaintiffs in this case. Graham uh, has expressed it. All are excited and want the investment on the South Side and absolutely have a flourishing, play, you know, flourishing foundation to exist. There's no question about that. However, that being said, I don't, the, the, having it on the South Side doesn't somehow mean that the only way it benefits the South Side is to have it centered in the park like this and taking away Cornell and Marquette and Hayes and doing all of those things that are going to create problems. And, and to go back to the point, when it's theoretical stated in a traffic report or in other things that you that is two years down the road it does it's it doesn't hit anyone thinking about it or living in the area in the same way until you drive it <laughs> once you're right. there right until you, you're in there yeah that, then it all of a sudden you says wait a minute why is this happening why it why are we doing this and i'm and i got and and, and i think graham's point was particularly good when you think about how bad I, it's likely going to get a lot worse and if that's the case how is that going to affect i mean we're inter, of course we're very concerned about you know the destruction of the of the parkland but but as graham mentions like how about the success of the op of the of the presidential center is that going to be impacted by the fact that there's going to be these tie-ups and these other just logistical problems that are going to exist that you avoid so much of that with a more sort of thoughtful plan and 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 thoughtful usage of of what are you know a, a, a tremendous investment in the area you know you make a, you make a great point um i had read an article that talked about um 10 ways to keep attendance up at these presidential libraries because it said that in most cases, from the opening year of the library to about 2014, they all seen a decline of almost 80 percent. Every single one of them. Um, George Bush, George H. Bush, Herbert Hoover, Reagan, Clinton. Now, granted, a lot of those may not be in actual cities. You know, Chicago is the third largest city in the country. Right. But to your point, you know, the just to get there, just to get there, you know, you have to. You know, whether you take Stony Island North or whether you take uh, 57 North and you get off and you go east, just to get there, it seems like, you know, it's like they want to create a museum campus south in a sense. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I'm not trying, like, I hope the library is successful despite our reservations, right? But it's just like, when you look at the stats, they all decline. So, like, are they really doing all of this for just about a good three, four years of excitement. <laughs> and then well, after that, you know. Yeah, I'd like to jump in on this one, if that's okay. Um, you know, I, th this goes back, I'm gonna keep plugging the plan here because I really want your listeners to, to go there. Um, uh, and, and I can I say the website? If you, I don't think Yeah, absolutely, good. please. <laughs> so um, there's two ways you can get there. The first one is opcwashpark.us. 
that's the Obama Presidential Center, washpark.us. Um, you can also use something called Twin Embraces, which is the name of our site, the name of the plan itself. So you can uh, visit twinembraces.com, .org, .us, you name it. You can probably make your way there. Um, okay. And, uh, uh, you know, pick, you know pick, pick your favorite flavor. Um, but one of, this, one of the things here is, so we call this the Obama Presidential Center. And in order to make it relevant in a perpetual way, we've got to give it a place within the city that matters. And we've got to give it functionality that is welcoming and that has meaning on a daily basis so that it really becomes a focal point of daily life for people. You know, the museum that you might go to once or twice in your life, or maybe if you love it that much, you go there once a year or something, that, that's not enough to drive the economic development we're looking for. And as you really point out very astutely, Twiz, I mean, the, the facts are what they are. Typically these things tend to, um, you know, get a little dusty pretty fast. So, so that's part of why the plan that I'm, um, that I'm promoting, it, it ties into the, that city fabric in a way that's extremely different from the current proposal. Um, there are lots of public features there, whether that be full service library as opposed to the small little library that they're currently planning. It ties in with the arts block that the University of Chicago is building. There's all kinds of public um, spaces in the parklands. There are convertible areas that turn into open air theaters. Um, we've got a, a winter garden there, which is like a year round space that you don't have anywhere else in the city of Chicago, right off the green line where people can come in a bad storm and still have a pleasant environment to, you know, do a farmer's market or, or, or anything. Um, so, so by doing that, we activate the space, we make it meaningful. And in that way, the message of the Obama Foundation reaches people in a more regular way. And we keep this thing active and meaningful you know that so that's part of the whole idea we're doing this to help them out um if i can also talk about the roads real quick i'm bouncing around here um i, I just want to return to a couple things about that we said that i think are pretty important um the traffic studies they account for an, a small very small uptick in traffic due to the presidential center but they do not talk at all about economic growth in the community so which is it is there no economic growth or is there a lot more traffic that isn't being contemplated? Um, you know, that's a major division um, and uh, somebody's wrong because you can't have both of those things at once. They're mutually exclusive. Um, so, so that's an interesting point. And the, the, the other point, you know, this is the point that's near and dear to my heart. Um, I used to live in South Shore, um, like you do, Twiz, uh, right over there uh, by Crandon. Okay. And um, those were the best years of my life. Um, it just, you know, that community is so beautiful and the people were so gracious and, you know, I had a, I had a ball. Um, what I know and what anyone who lives south of 67th Street knows is that those routes through the park that you described, Marquette, Cornell, um, these are kind of a lifeline. Um, it's a way for us to get downtown in an in a efficient way where yeah. naturally where the jobs are. It's also a way to get to the university and to Hyde Park where the hospital, the ER is, um, you know, where, where Chipotle is, if you want something like that, that you can't find just yet in South Shore. Um, you know, by cutting these things off, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to mince words here. I have strong feelings about this. I, I think it's callous. I think it's insensitive. Um, some people have gone so far to say it's segregation. Um, 
it really disturbs me the indifference to the ways that people conduct their lives and the resources they need. I mean, South Shore is a place that didn't have a grocery store for almost a decade. Yeah. Um, this is not yeah. a joke. So, so I, I'm very passionate about this issue. You know, the Cornell Drive, you know, nobody's going to give it an award for beauty, but, you know, it was necessary, okay. though. It was necessary, yes. And secondly, we have the ability to beautify things without destroying them. <laughs> you know, to say something's unsightly and just eliminate it, that makes no sense at all. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I know that it's, it, these are, in many respects, one could argue, you know, much more practical and important issues. But I will also note that when this park was contemplated, and I, and I have to defer to Graham a little bit too, but in talking with Graham and with Tom Mitchell, who, who studies these things in, in detail, um, the fact is, is that these roads were were specifically created for the for usage by the community. Uh, Olmsted was was well known to, as a uh, he developed sort of the boulevard system, as as I understand it. And so these these types of roadways were, were meant for purpose. And in fact, the community is using them very consistent with the purposes from which it was built. So uh, to have this very to have these important elements and then tied yet to uh, a historic fabric that exists here. We are, we are fortunate in our city and, you know, POP, uh, you know, protect our parks, you know, works to protect these types of, of issues. But it is, it is when you have an asset like an Olmsted Park, who, you know, who is also the landscape architect for Central Park and for in New York City, Prospect Park in Brooklyn and, and, and other parks. But, but these are unique assets and a community that has them is, is really fortunate. And we are indeed fortunate in our city to have in a tremendous asset like this and those historic roads and vistas are part of it and i don't and i'm not saying that that overrides everything but it is it is certainly the law recognizes its its import and indeed i think it's a practical nature the community has has embraced those those elements of it and utilize it day in and day out twist that's i i think you're saying that as well when you talk about your usage of cornell and many many people that you know we've had the pleasure of talking with about this type of plan. Talk about Cornell as such an important artery and important part of their daily lives. And so we, we would certainly hope that as the rubber literally hits the road here, that um, there is more uh, more outcry and more sort of debate about why are we doing this? Uh, because there's still time to do something different. Uh, and uh, But I, I do think that's just a, another element that, that can be lost in all that. But I do think it's important to recognize it. And, and I'll also say one other thing about the Olmsted-related issues. I, I'm not aware, and I've talked with others about having an Olmsted-related asset like this and have it kind of mauled in the way that it is, it's done. This is highly unusual to have something like this occur. And, and when you think about its import to the community, its, its, its usage, you know, is, I, I believe it is the, the most, pot, most used Southside Park. I mean, to have that kind of um, occur to it is, is, is sad in a lot of ways, putting aside, you know, whether, you know, we're, we're challenging it under legal grounds, but it's also sad too. And, it, and, it's, and it's very impactful to the community. You know, Graham had said something very interesting about like, you know, the museum, about how some people might visit the museum once, maybe twice, you know, things like that. Um, you know, growing up in Chicago, even the suburbs of Chicago, is no secret that the Museum of Science and Industry, the DuSable Museum, these are popular field trip sites for kids. Um, uh -huh. It's kind of like the Obama Library eventually is just going to become just another field trip site. And um, 
bigger than the transportation issue and, you know, the roads being um, gutted and all of that, a lot of residents in Woodlawn and South Shore, they're worried about the G word, gentrification. You know, they're, they're worried about, you know, will there be rent caps? Will there be tax caps? What do you guys have to say about that? Well, I would say firstly that they, um, that, you know, their concerns are legitimate. And I, I think we are, I, I can't speak for Michael, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that everybody involved with this is um, very sympathetic to all of that. Um, it, it's, it's legitimate. Um, I, I can't personally claim to be an expert in these matters. Um, and I know there are a lot of people who fought very hard for the current community benefits agreement that was put in place. I also know there's a lot of people who don't feel like that agreement is everything they were looking for. Um, and, and what I can tell you as an architect is Washington Park as a community, um, which of course kind of spills over into Inglewood, Fuller Park, Grand Boulevard. Um, there's a lot more available land over there. Um, there's a lot more distressed property over there. And um, if, and I, this is a, everybody who's listening to this podcast is going to roll their eyes because we know how Chicago operates. But if we could get a situation where the, where the mechanisms were in place, I believe it would be much more easy to achieve the great outcome that we all deserve in Washington Park. Because um, ultimately gentrification comes from a couple things. One, it comes from uh, policy. And secondly, it comes from supply and demand. And if the policies are, are good, and if the supply and demand is in check, and we, we can achieve supply and demand being in check by spreading the wealth, spreading the opportunities throughout the community in a holistic way, if those two things are good to go, then we can probably have a, real, a great outcome. Um, and you know, I think that gentrification and disparity or gentrification and disinvestment are actually very closely related mm -hmm. because, because what happens is you get pockets of inflated demand wherever people start to sense that there's you know, an opportunity. If we, had, if we could spread that opportunity equitably throughout the city, Chicago's lost 500, 600,000 people since its peak. There's really no reason anybody needs to be displaced or, or, or asked to leave or forced to leave. Yeah, and they're constantly building more and more, you know, more condos and high rises are constantly being built and sprouting up all over the city, you know. Yep, and at, at, but at, at what expense? I mean, if we were lucky, we were lucky to gain population in the last census. So I saw that it was very small too, wasn't it? Like very small. But of all of it's it's embarrassing. Of all the big cities in the country, we're the we we fare the worst, and you know that's a that goes back to policy and a lot of other stuff, which is um. Uh, you know, a huge topic of discussion. But what I can say is let's assume that the population growth is, is flat. Every time you build one of those fancy high rises downtown, that takes demand and potential growth away from the south and west sides, or, you know, potentially the north side. But my point is, all we're doing is shuffling the deck. And that has environmental consequences because we're wasting resources. And it also robs communities of potential investment, which can bring equity and parity to things. So it's really about policy, in my opinion. Um, but like I say, Washington Park is a great opportunity to do the right thing because we have space to do the right thing. Yeah. 
I would say, I, I mean, I, I agree with, with Graham's perspective on that. I will say that in terms, particularly, you know, it is a concern, the gentrification issues and the displacement issues are definitely a concern. I, I think it certainly was disappointing, you know, that for, for years, those, you know, really trying to advocate for community benefits agreement were basically kind of uh, stiff-armed uh, in many different ways. I remember attending a hearing um, at, in May of 2018 over at City Hall where the halls were filled with uh, the community benefits uh, advocates, um, you know, who still at that point in time, after years of discussion, were basically not not satisfied in any way. And I and I agree with Graham too that I think there are questions about you know the plan that was being approved as being sort of you know sort of like a half lo at best a half loaf. And what I think is important in that is is this, you know, when you think about the Jackson Park issues, I would suggest that. One, one problem that's even raised in, in, in the suit, but, but just as you're sort of thinking about it, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that was basically, when you think about a private developer, which this, this in, in essence is, and saying, I wish to do this in this location. It doesn't really have that community in, input, if you will, in the, in the same way. If we are able, you know, and, and Graham's plan, you know, is, 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 is I think, Terrific, but the, but I think one of the fundamental points that that tries to be conveyed is that it also is desirous of community in, input and of having the community that 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 is of concern, right? If, if there is these legitimate concerns of displacement and gentrification, so if you have those individuals and families interested in talking about where the best place is and why it works, it seems like some of those issues can be better addressed versus having something imposed out, you know, from sort of the outside in, if you will. And I certainly think by location, it's going to be of assistance here too, for the reasons that Graham had stated. You know, one of the plaintiffs in the case, Jamie Calvin, is, uh, has, you know, written about a lot of these affordable housing issues in the past and how they have been so badly managed in the city and on the south side and, and these thoughts about urban renewal and how that has been sort of botched by sort of having superimposed you know many policies versus sort of working with the communities and I kind of I believe and hope that this issue too uh what however you wish to you know, however it's called, whether it's through a community benefits agreement or whether it's called, you know, dealing with the issues of displacement can be addressed through better involvement with the community and understanding of their needs and how the, a plan, a real sensitive plan is can be input. I do think that though that that's missing here was missing uh, and can be when you improve upon that, I think that will help in addressing these issues as well. Yeah. Um, so whatever it's worth. You know, I read a um I read an opinion piece in the Chicago Sun Times yesterday uh, by a 20 year Woodlawn resident. I, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right, Liletta Liletta Robinson, and yeah, she said, that was beautiful." Yeah, she said, "The louder the drum of jobs and economic opportunity is beaten, the less I'm inclined to believe it. Don't let that projected promise deprive us of our neighborhoods, natural resources, and landmarks." That was powerful to me. Oh yeah. There, there. Well, she, she is. I think recognizing that there's a better way to go about doing this, and whether it's the simple sort of view of saying, how do you really get economic development in a park itself? I mean, that's one thing. And and why? And then then taking it separate from that, why can't 
an area have a beautiful historic park and a beautiful presidential center that is that actually engages into the community and actually can deal with you know the uh, the true issues of economic development and bettering the, of the neighborhood something like I mean there's this is not like you have to recreate the wheel I mean the, the yeah. as I understand it the Clinton uh, the Clinton pre uh, presidential center it was located ultimately in in an area in Little Rock that was underserved. Uh, historically and uh, placed and has done and has helped in growth of that community. Uh, here, there there are areas that that can you know with with the clear sort of like sort of thought that the everyone favors investment on the south side. Why can't there be more to focus on the best area in order to achieve both protection of the environment and of the parkland that is so that that you know the the author of that piece so so nicely talks about and how how saddened it is to lose that and also for what is essentially a false promise of other of other things that are going to come uh, yeah. but that's unfortunate you know i um so i still have my redfin I, I still get redfin notifications um just on my phone and i just look <laughs> just to uh, do it um even though we bought this property in 2017 but you know i noticed a trend with whether it's a home or you know whether it's a commercial property for sale the, the hooking point the selling point is near the um, proposed site of the Obama Presidential Library. That's like the hooking point, right? And it's interesting to me because it's kind of like, why is that the hook now? Why it can't be near the lake, which is true. Why it can't be near Lakeshore Drive, which is true. Why it can't be, you know, um, near University of Chicago High Park, which is true. It's, everything is centered around the Obama Library and this promise that is going to bring economic explosion to the area and again i'm not trying to sound you know like a hater or negative or nothing like that but it's just like why you can't have both like you said to your point chicago was big enough to where you can have both you know and, and it's kind of like they want to fit it into this narrative of you know because you know michelle obama went to school here she grew up here south shore you know they they had their house in high park you know they went on their first date in high park all it's like they want to fit it in that area Whereas, like, you know, with Graham's plan, there have been alternative, better suited places to put it where it adds and not subtracts. Uh, yep. uh, yeah, no, that's a Graham's plan. Definitely. I mean, his point is he talks about, like, do no harm. Uh, is definitely you know um, engaged when you when as as part of you know what you're saying there. But there there is that is such a fair question. It seems so uh, intuitively right to be able to say we have this asset i mean i tried i'm not as eloquent as, as graham or as tom mitchell is but you have this special unique asset protected in various ways which is a beautiful the, the park itself is beautiful i mean it is and, and it has such beautiful elements to it uh why can that not serve as a further anchor why why can't that be uh, part of the entirety of the, you know, it's, it's sort of twist what you're saying. Why is that not a part of the Redfin? Why is it not, you know, yeah. within a block of Jackson Park and, you know, the yeah. future and a couple blocks from, you know, yeah. the, you know, the, the building of the OPC? Because there's no, there really is no, there's no practical reason. There's no legal reason. There's nothing that we're aware of that precludes that from happening. And Graham's plan, I think, demonstrates that there, there, there may well be many other ways of going about it, but that, you know, that is an, a great example.
of a plan that takes that all into account and provides the community both of these wonderful assets. And, and, and I'll say one other thing, and actually, and Graham mentioned it, but it expands the park, it expands Washington Park. So, so not only is there, um, you know, more, more protection for you know, Jackson Park and, and of course, this enhanced uh, presidential center, but it actually enhances Washington Park too. Uh, so you get like the maximum benefit, bang for the buck that's being spent. Well, right. I mean, that $170 million for all this road work, um, I, I would challenge anyone in Chicago to tell me what they're getting for their money. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I mean, you do not gain parkland. If you look at my website, um, I'm going to say it again. Um, on that website is the only place I've seen on the web unless you dig and dig and dig through some very um, difficult graphics that are not used intuitive at all. It's the only place I know of where you can actually see what's planned. Um, you know, just have a look at that. Yes, they kill Cornell Drive and buy themselves some square footage there, but then the, part of the, the um, OPC takes physical land away from the park district and we have the golf course encroaching and other parts of the park potentially. Um, there's actually a net loss of what I call free and open, you know, just um, available parkland to do whatever, the kind of place you would fly a kite or take your kids or you know, toss around a Frisbee or something. I mean, that type of land is in jeopardy in, in Jackson Park as a result of this. And, and I, you know, as a taxpayer in a, in a city and a state that have no money, <laughs> that, are, that, are, that are closing schools and um, you know, I could go on. Um, why, are, why are we blowing $170 million on screwing around with some roads that were perfectly fine. Now, what I did with that money, right? You give an architect a penny, they're gonna, they're gonna turn it into like a dollar and spend it, right? <laughs> um, so so I, I, you know, what I'm proposing in our plan is if we're gonna spend $170 million, let's do something that actually is good for the people on a daily basis and good for the Obama Center. And um, that's why I'm proposing a tunnel beneath Washington Park that gets most of that traffic out of there cleans up those difficult intersections. If, if you know the street names, Morgan Drive, um, Rainy, uh, Payne Drive, those, those intersections are a nightmare, a very dangerous. Um, let's get that all out of there. Let's make mass transit possible on the 55th Street corridor by straightening the route through the tunnel. Um, we can get people to the level one trauma center at the university that much quicker, which can save lives. I mean, this is, this is um, very productive use of money. If we're determined we're gonna spend it, um, we've got to make something out of it. So where do we go from here? Um, so with, with that plan that you have, Graham, the tunnel, everything, it sounds beautiful. And again, I'm going to put the link in the uh, bio so the listeners can see it visually. Um, and then with the litigation still, you know, ongoing, uh, I think one of you mentioned that construction is slated to be about five years. So we're looking at maybe 2025, 2026 before this is complete. Um where do we go from here? Well, I, I, I'll, make a, I'll make a point um, which may or may not land with some, some listeners, but I, I mean this in all sincerity. I think the legacy of the first black president in this country is worth as much as you wanna throw at it. I don't think there's a dollar value um, that you can put on this. I think Chicago's gotta get this right because this is the chance of a generation or a lifetime. Um, so, there's been a little bit of money spent on design. There's, there's obviously a little bit of money spent ripping apart our parkland for no reason. Um, you know, who cares? Let's start over and get this right. Um, the, the president deserves it. The community deserves it. Michelle Obama deserves it. Um, 
And, and that's what I'm hoping for at this point. I'm hoping that there's a groundswell of people who take a good look now, you know, with open eyes at what's really going on. You can really feel it now. If you go by Jackson Park, you know, I, I don't care if you live in Lyle or Waukegan, come down to Jackson Park and feel it because this is not a good feeling. Even if it's got the president's name attached to it as much as we love President Obama, this, this, is, this cannot be right. It simply cannot be right. This is, this is the man who fist bumped Greta Thunberg and talked about the environment. Um, so, so, some, we got our wires crossed here and Chicago is gonna get a black eye from this. Um, so, so that's what I'm asking for. I'm asking for everybody to come together as a community um, for ourselves and for um, that great legacy of President Obama and just simply say, uh, you know, stop, stop the press. Uh, I, I think that there is time to get this right. Uh, and I, you know, um, that's why we are continuing our efforts. Here. You know, there's, I think about it in the short term and medium term and the kind of long term goals and long term sort of like impacts. And certainly in the short term, we recognize that certain of the elements of the park that, that are important are, you know, many, you know, there have been certainly uh, many trees that have been cut down, but as we talked about before, there's still much to protect and that, that, is, that is worth the, the effort. So there is time and there are, you know, we are working um, to try and protect those assets. So there is sort of a pathway to doing that. And we certainly think that those, uh, we think that's consistent with what, you know, putting in Graham, Graham's points, I think um, are good. They're different. I, I, I think there are other reasons why when you think about you know, short-term and long-term goals and impacts, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a very good precedent to have had this private development be handled in the way that it's been handled. This is not the last large development that's going to occur in our city. And it's not the last one that's going to challenge public space and, and public parkland. And, and, and I think when Graham alludes to the golf course, I think that that's another part of this, but that might be coming down the pike as well. So when you think about Th these issues, you do need to think about one protecting the physical space, right? That we want to have this improved, and there's time to do it because if these federal reviews are done properly, it's going to lead to a better result. We, I, I certainly believe that. I also believe that by protecting those policies, that other projects and other communities, including mean, not just this community, but other communities, will also be protected down the road from you know having you know sort of these types of of things occur down the road because that that this issue will come up again so uh i when i think it, it's such an important message to write i, I think that th to know that this is not over by any stretch by any stretch <laughs> and that having people uh, have their voices heard and their community saying this you know we don't think this is the right thing and we should maybe think about a different a different path uh, I do think there's opportunities for our political leaders to, to listen to that and to have a pathway to say, you know what, um, particularly as Graham correctly knows, I mean, you know, we're operating with thin, you know, with negative budgets and with some, you know, in, in a pandemic environment, why aren't we thinking this through in a better way that will enhance the, uh, the, the impact of community and long-term enhance, you know, you know, better our, our, our policy and how we, we treat developments and parkland. Uh, I do think there's so much to fight for and there's so much for people to talk about right now and they just need to, to, to be engaged and we want and we so much would, would love that. Um, so I, I certainly believe there's, there is still plenty of opportunities here to, for protection and for good results uh, for the community.
Absolutely. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask for two things. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may enjoy it as well. And don't forget to subscribe to our other podcast, Mogul Motivation from True Stories Media.